Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall, which, RJ, I mean, lots of stuff going on with the Beer Hall. We'll get to the crabs in a second. <laughs> the crabs of the <laughs> Beer Hall. Uh, gotta, gotta ask the audience, though, first, if anybody made it out to Queen Anne Beer Hall for Oktoberfest because yeah that's that's a big deal up there it is oktoberfest and i i love any place that can get me thinking about fall thinking about october in the dead of august in this heat wave dylan it's hitting 90 i don't have air conditioning but the beer hall sure does and uh it was on saturday oktoberfest you know get you thinking about Oktoberfest with the <laughs> beer, uh, all the German food. It's great. Uh, you know, the German dress, everything. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, that was really cool at the beer hall on Saturday. And then coming up, of course, as we mentioned uh, last week, uh, they have the all you can eat crab on uh, August 20th. So if that is your thing, <laughs> definitely go to the beer hall on the 20th. Yep. No, it should be a good one. And then, yeah, you know, Hey, you gotta, you gotta enjoy having, you know, nice, like two, two month early, Oktoberfest pregame, right? <laughs> so it's, oh yeah, definitely. And definitely hey, you know, on this podcast, we are definitely itching to get to October because that also means the crack in regular season will be back. Uh, I miss hockey so much, Dylan. I know. Here we are, August 14th, celebrating our 100th episode with what we've titled the 100th episode Unspectacular because we're stuck in the middle of August. There is no news. There's no crack in hockey. There's no hockey. Uh, so it made it very difficult to try to try to pull together a big, grand 100th episode spectacular, uh, hence the name. Uh, but we do have some fun stuff to talk about here, and we're also going to take a little bit of a, a look down memory lane going back to our very first episode uh, of this uh, before it was called the deep dive and before anybody was listening. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll take a look at that. And then of course, get to uh, the, the deep dive segment of this, of this week, which was uh, our way too early. And we're going to be looking at who we think the team leaders and all the different individual stat categories are going to be for the Seattle crack in this upcoming season. Uh, but RJ, let's go ahead and kick things off. Let's give the people what they want, and that's to that's to hear about what we have planned for this upcoming season, because we have lots of fun stuff uh, to talk about for that. Um, I guess the 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 first one that's that's more of a teaser than actually getting into you know tangible news is just that we have a really really cool new website coming uh, at some point. <laughs> it's it's looking really yeah. good. It's getting close. Uh, don't know exactly when we're gonna drop it, but. Uh, we're going to have a brand new website, lots of fun stuff to, to, to go on there. Um, so looking forward to that. And then RJ, you have uh, more content focused stuff that we can talk about. That's right. And you shouldn't sell the website short, by the way, you have done a lot of great work on that. I've seen the previews of it that will launch before the season starts. Everyone should go check that out once it does. Um, but as far as content goes, uh, we're going to have some changes coming to the podcast. Uh, we're going to do a little bit more uh, like defined segments uh, coming next season. You know, we're going to have like a news and notes type segment. We're going to have our deep dive on a certain topic. So that'll be a little bit more defined than kind of the free flowing that it has been. But I think that's going to be a really good positive change. And also 
fun things like player interviews. We're going to talk to more members of the media as well. We're going to get more people involved on this podcast. It's been, it's really fun with the two of us, you and I, Dylan. Mm -hmm. um, and I think everyone does like that, but I, I think there's a lot of great voices out there in the Kraken world that people want to hear from. Uh, so we're going to do some more of that in the coming season. And then also the Patreon will return for October. Uh, we're going to have the deep, uh, sorry, the Red Glare podcast coming back that everyone loves. I was looking at the big deep dive on our, <laughs> on our graphic right now. We're going to have the Red Glare podcast coming back. We're going to have all the live commentaries like we would do. And uh, the Armchair GM chats are going to be a permanent fixture. People seem to like them enough last year. I certainly love doing them. I mean, even selfishly, I would just want to bring them back. So those Armchair GM chats will be coming back in addition to all, a lot of the great stuff uh, that you guys know, uh, like Dylan's prospect chats and all that stuff. So uh, the Patreon will return in the fall. I can't wait. Uh, and then also we're going to have some more live events. I mean, we'll, we'll get the news out to you kind of as soon as we're able to plan all that stuff. It's, it's a lot logistically and trying to figure out when Dylan's coming up, but, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing you all in person some more this upcoming season. Yeah, definitely try to get some variety in on those as well. Uh, really looking forward to those. Any of the trips that I can make up there are always, always a, a big deal and a lot of fun for me. Patreon's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait, everybody. You got to get in there for those those armchair GM chats so that you can just spam RJ try and and try to make him work out trades to get Sebastian Ajo over to the Kraken. Just like last uh, year. Ah, yes. Now that, keep it going. Still not giving up on that idea, huh, Dylan? Even though he signed the extension. But hey, that's the fun part. You can spam me with the trade requests, and I will yeah. try and make it work. Yes. It's whatever you guys want to talk about. I will try and make it work with the salary cap. Yep. You know, go in there, type in chat, RJ, right the wrong. Bring Eric Carlson to Seattle. <laughs> There you go. Just, it's for some free ammunition there for everybody. You're Thank welcome, you, Dylan, RJ. for making the armchair GM <laughs> chat super RJ. fun. Yeah, you're the one person. If you put that in the chat, I will not honor it. It has to be somebody in the community. Yes, no, it's all right. RJ will get me back. He's just going to make me talk about goaltenders and all the uh, prospect chats. <laughs> there you go. Find some uh, clips on Semyon Vyazovoy, Dylan. Let's talk about him. Let's do a deep dive on the uh, Russian goalie that, that we don't know where exactly he is. Yeah, I will get on that now, and maybe by April I'll have something. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but lots and lots of fun stuff uh, for the upcoming season. Again, we're we're just kind of in the middle of August, so some of you know a lot of that's not quite ready yet to to roll out. This is this is the month where we're really you know rolling up our sleeves and dealing with a lot of that kind of stuff. But we did want to mention it for episode one hundred, alongside a a huge thank you to everybody out there in the community uh, for listening to this podcast. Right, we've been able to have the number one Seattle Kraken podcast, uh, which has been incredible. We're 100 episodes in, uh, which means we've been able to continue to do this, which is you know even more incredible <laughs> given where we started, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, so, you know, just again, want to want to thank everybody for being a part of it and want to thank everybody for not just listening, but also all the kind words that they've said. We've got fantastic ratings. If you look over on like Apple podcast, you know, I think it's a 4.8 out of five stars. Incredible. All the all the amazing kind words that everybody's left there. Um, and then just how great everybody has been with helping us grow. Right. We've been existing in this sports media landscape where sports are making more money than ever. But sports media is seemingly dying all over the place you got espn <laughs> laying people off the athletic laying a bunch of people off you got print journalism there <laughs> it's, you know <laughs> there's been a lot of stuff but then you know we've been able to be here um you and irj and we've just been able to watch 
extreme growth. It's not even like, oh, steady growth. It's like been massive growth year over year. Um, looking forward to continuing that. But it's it's really been on the backs of everybody else because you've all done such a great job of talking about us with friends or at Kraken Games, telling people about us. Um, so much of how we've been able to grow has just been word of mouth. And, and that's all because of all of you. So just, you know, thank you all so much. Yes, thank you so much. And I love hearing the stories too, whether it's just somebody who kind of passes me somewhere like, oh, love the podcast or, you know, telling me about how they got their friends into it or maybe who didn't even watch hockey or like hockey at all. And it's kind of helped them learn and get into the sport. I mean, we absolutely love that. It's it's just been such a treat to be able to do these hundred episodes for you over a span of more than two years. Um, and, and thinking back to that first episode that we did um, in March 5th, 2021, which Dylan, I guess we should have timed it a little bit better. Just looked a hundred episodes ahead, yeah. maybe time it not to go to the middle of August, but you know, that's fine. You take those lessons and everything, but um, um, that was, it was not even called the deep dive. Nope. It was called the Emerald City Hockey Podcast, which was a real mouthful. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad we changed the name on your suggestion <laughs> at some point along the road there. But um, I mean, you ready for the topic still? And I, do you remember what we talked about on episode one? Well, I mean, we briefly met, talked about it beforehand. So I remember like the big debate section we had at the end, because that was something yeah. we felt like we needed to have in a podcast. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember. I mean, you know, you're talking March 5th. So happy birthday, Afra and your mom. Uh, yep. <laughs> so we're talking March 5th, 2021. So the team like barely existed, right? Like they were the Kraken and that was about it. They had no team. They didn't have a coach. <laughs> there was no expansion yep. draft, no regular draft. We didn't even know where they would be picking in the amateur draft. Uh, so, yeah. What did we talk about other than like hockey? Yeah. All right. So very relevant topic still and very relevant, okay. even even today. So here I'm going to I'm sure. going to read you just the, the title from the podcast. So Emerald City Hockey Podcast, episode one, Daryl Sutter's back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jake Bean's scouting report. OK. And is Patrick Kane the American goat? OK, what a title of a podcast. What an, yep. what so, an incredible, wow. <laughs> the most relevant topics only, clearly at that point, um, to this day has 203, because it was not on, on any of the podcast feed, I think it was just on YouTube, it was just has on, 203 okay. uh, views on YouTube. It, it doesn't need to go any higher. Like nobody go back and look at that. We were, we were pretty rough at that point. Um, but, you know, good to get the practice in. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, Daryl Sutter's triumphant return. Yep. Jake Bean, who we were sure was going to be a lock to be selected by the Kraken in the expansion draft. Yep. And, uh, you know, debating some of the best American born players. I'm sure we made some fantastic arguments. Yeah, I was just going to say, so we've got what the a coach who was fired in semi spectacular fact uh, fashion this off season, uh, talking about him mm -hmm. being back. Uh, we've got uh, Jake Bean, who was like hurt all of last year uh, and is nowhere close to Seattle. And um, and then we've we've got, you know, talking about whether somebody is the greatest American born player who is just a free agent that nobody seems in a rush to sign. So, yeah, we did a great job, RJ. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ECH podcast curse kicked in early. <laughs> yes. Big, big time stuff there. I'm trying to remember. We were probably fans of Sutter going back to the Flames, too, huh? 
You know, I I certainly was. I couldn't I couldn't doubt him after his success no. everywhere else. I think we. So t- yeah. I, I'm sure. I Nobody go back and that. look at what I said. No. I don't uh, know what it was. I didn't go back and listen to the episode, yeah. but uh, yeah, nobody, nobody I, go back and look I at do that. Rem- I do I'll remember. be watching the view count. It better not go over like 204, 205. Okay. I, I, I do remember the, the debate at the end. It, it basically came down to Patrick Kane or uh, or uh, Brett Hull. I think you took That's Hull. That's right. I, I, I know Kane. I was on the Brett Hull side. Yeah, I took Patrick Kane. Still feel good about that? Yeah, I, well, Brett Hull hasn't hasn't done anything to change really his case uh and patrick kane i I don't know if he's really added to it that much since so i think it's fine he's played for a second team now he's he's you know doing the whole thing he's moving around you can't say oh he's just been with chicago forever i don't think that was one of my arguments against kane was that he should have you should have said you should have said in two years he's gonna he's gonna get traded at the deadline uh and try to form a super team in New York and have it, you know, flame out spectacularly like Daryl Sutter is going to. Yeah, and if, if we were just more experienced podcasters at the time, I'm sure I would have said that. It would have looked great. Yeah. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> All right, so that's some that's some good stuff there, I guess. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and start looking at the Seattle Kraken because thankfully, RJ, we're 100 episodes in and there is a hockey team that we can talk about for, for Seattle. Um, and that is, of course, the Kraken. We've been doing the way too earlies uh, for this upcoming season, trying to, you know, do, you know, trying to look into the future like we were just saying we should have all along and and pick out what we think is going to be happening in the 2023-2024 Seattle Kraken season. And today, RJ, we have an exciting one, which is we are going to go through all of the individual scat, uh, stat categories and picking out who we think will be the leader for the Seattle Kraken this upcoming season. For example, just to give everyone an idea of how this is going to work, goals. Who's going to lead the team in goals this year, RJ? Hmm. Let me think long and hard about that one. Uh, is he number 16 or 19? We were <laughs> debating that last season. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be Jared McCann. It's going to be Jared McCann. Yeah. So see, just like that, it's that easy. We just we just shout out the name and we're going to get it 100% right all the way through, I am sure. Um, so there it is. I mean, yeah, no, no need to spend any more time on it. Goal scoring, you know, again, assuming everyone's healthy, uh, knock on wood here. Jared McCann's going to lead this team in goal scoring. I don't think uh, anybody would be surprised. Do you have a dark horse? Like, just because that one is so easy, do we have a dark horse? You know, I really think it would just take something like an injury. McCann just missing a lot of time for whatever reason, uh, which we obviously don't want to happen. It, it would take something like that. But if you're looking for a dark horse goal scorer, I don't know. I'm going to go with Oliver Bjorkstrand. Mm-hmm. I think the shooting percentage might be able to rebound. If you look at last season's number, there was a whole bunch of players just clustered in that 20 to 24 goal range. Yeah. I think he's got the most potential to kind of pop above that field. And then if something should happen to McCann, maybe he could be the leader. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I got to think, you know, another year uh, with a whole full season under his belt, Matty Beneers, maybe, you know, I could, I could at least see him getting close to 30. I don't know that he could get all the way to 40 and you know kind of his year two but uh i do think maddie beneers is going to be up there and probably second on the team anyway uh so we'll go with uh maddie beneers there now we'll, sticking with uh kind of the traditional counting stats here for scoring rj next up would be assists now last year vince dunn led this club in assists with 50 jordan eberly with 43 and then yanni gordon third place with 34 
Who do you think is going to lead the Seattle Kraken in assists next season, RJ? I'm going to go with Matty Beniers. And Ooh. we picked him actually to lead the team in assists. Both of us picked him last year. We were a little bit off the mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with him finishing fourth and Vince Dunn, we didn't fully see coming, although I picked him as my dark horse to maybe lead the team in assists. Ah, uh, but still, yeah, yeah, no, feeling good about that one. But uh, I think Matty Beniers will, will take that next step. He had some stretches this past season where he just wasn't producing points. He was still playing pretty well, as we talked about yeah. doing all the things defensively and, and away from the puck. But I think the points uh, production is just going to go up. I think the goals might you know, stay level. I don't know the goals are going to raise a whole lot because that shooting percentage was pretty high last season, mm -hmm. but I could see it being made up for in assists and especially if you can get it going on the power play. Yeah. So I, I like that one. I, I think Matty Beniers definitely has a chance. I, you know, I said last week, I think he's going to be more involved on the power play. Uh, and I think that'll help because, you know, he did kind of uh, fall behind most of the field of those top assist guys when it came to power play assists. So that would help him catch someone like a Vince Dunn. We've talked about Vince Dunn, probably, you know, most likely regressing a, a little bit anyway, um, just because of how incredible his season was last year. I'm going to actually go with somebody, though, um, who's a little bit further down if you sort by assists, but that's because he didn't play all the games. That's Andre Burakovsky, RJ. Because you know what? He had 26 assists in 49 games. He had 10 power play assists, which was only five off of Vince Dunn, who Vince Dunn playing, you know, close to twice as many games last year. I think Andre Burakovsky was a big part of their power play early on last season. I think as the power play continues to hopefully improve, he'll continue to be. And I think he's going to, you know, he's going to bounce back from the injury and everything and have a really good um, scoring season. So I'm, I'm going with Andre Burakovsky. If, you know, so. All right, that's an interesting pick, and I, I do think he has a, a chance to, um, you know, to to perform certainly better than those numbers because he didn't play a whole lot of games, and he could be a sneaky pick for really any of the any of these categories too. I mean, even you look at goals, we know his finishing ability, right? Yep. Um, so he could potentially do that. Yeah, I I mean, we'll talk about him maybe a little bit when it comes to point totals too, because I thought about him there, but I think assists is where he can make his mark, and a lot of that is is down to the power play and how effective he is distributing on it. Um, all right, so point totals now. Uh, we, we, you know, McCann lead the team in goals. You know, he always adds a decent amount of assists. We, we think, you know, Matty Beneers for you, Burakovsky for me. Who's going to be able to put it all together, RJ, and lead the team in point scoring? I'm going to go with Matty Beneers. I, I think this is the year that he really steps up and takes that points crown. I know we were talking about it last season as maybe he had a, yeah. a, a chance to do that. I think we were a little bit early on that. Mm -hmm. But uh, this season, I'm going to take the upside with Matty Beneers uh, going for the points lead. I like that, right? I mean, I I could see Matty finishing second in goals. Like I said, he could get up to around 30. I think he could finish second in assists. And he could have 40-plus assists, especially if he gets going on the power play. So, yeah, why why, why shouldn't he be up there uh, for point totals if he's going to do that well in both categories? I like that. I agree with you. I think Matty Beneers is the most likely candidate to lead this team in points. I think Jared McCann, you know, is going to be up there again. He led the team in points last year with 70. He was able to add the 30 assists to go with the 40 goals. I think the goal scoring is going to regress a little bit for him just because I doubt he's going to shoot 19% again. Uh, that would be, you know, I mean, hey, go, go out there and do it, bud, if you can. But um, I, I think that's going to leave the door open a little bit there for Matty Beneers to, to take the point scoring lead and, and kind of, you know, reach that level of, you know, being the definitive franchise player that we've all kind of expected him to be. And he's given us no reason not to continue to think that way. 
Right. Now, any dark horse candidate for for point scoring leader? There's a few different options, really. I there mean, it, it was kind of a close race. You look at even Burakovsky, too, just given his pace. You know, he would be right up there as well. Who, who are you thinking? I, I think Burakovsky is definitely one to consider for that. Again, he had 39 points in 49 games um, involved on the power play. I think that's he's definitely somebody who can be up there. Really, whoever's going to be playing around Jared McCann and Matty Beneers, like if they stay playing together, whoever's on that other side, whether it continues to be a Jordan Everly or if it ends up being, you know, maybe a Ty Cartier or, or something like that who ends up up there with them or a Burkowski, um, I think that becomes the place. Certainly if it's Burkowski, could you imagine that line, RJ? Beneers, McCann, yeah, Burkowski. I mean- they tried it a little bit last season, couldn't quite get it to click, but I think we saw the benefits last year of certain guys having a whole off season together. Yes. That jump that they made from their first season to their second, I think for guys that you brought in the past off season, like a Burakovsky, like a Bjorkstrand, you're going to have that full off season and training camp together for the first time with those guys. And I think you could see jumps from them. So it wouldn't surprise me if Burakovsky was able to find more of a permanent home on a line, whether it's that one or, or a different line. Um, but I'm going to go with Jordan Everly. And you've talked about, well, who's going to spend the most time with Beneers and McCann? Well, so far it's been Everly and yeah. so far it's worked. The chemistry has been really good there. I just don't see a reason to take Everly away from Beneers. The two of them just work so well together. Um, and so you know, if you have McCann maybe experiencing a, a dip in scoring a little bit because of that shooting percentage and Vince Dunn experiencing some regression, I think Everly's kind of the next man up. Yeah, if 63 points last year. If it's year. not Veneers. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, 63 points last year for, for Jordan Everly in the 82 games, 43 assists. I mean, it was kind of an, a, a, an incredible season for him. You know, somebody that, at least me, because I've been around so long, right, I, I always think of him as more of a goal scorer. Um, but to put up the 43 assists, I mean, that was a career high for him last year. Um, he's, you know, he's changing his game as he gets older, like all great players do. And, uh, yeah, he really kind of settled into that more distributor role. I, I like that from Jordan Everly. Um, all right. The next one, as we're here on hockey reference, which by the way, RJ, when does hockey reference turn over towards next season? They wait a long time, huh? Cause like you still go to hockey reference. It's still all last year on there. Well, no, I think they already have because they have next year's Kraken page. Whenever I search just Kraken on hockey reference, it takes me to 2023-24. Oh, really? Because I just I just go to the homepage. It's got the standings from last year. You click on Seattle. It takes you to last year's page. Oh, that's probably the way to do it instead of just Googling Kraken <laughs> hockey reference every single time. All right. So good job there. I think you're doing it a better way than I am. <laughs> Slightly more efficient. All right. That, that's our hey, though. They've got the page for next year. You are right about that. Um, okay. Plus minus, I don't think we did it last year because like it's a crapshoot. I, I I guess you know. Look, if you think the yeah. team's gonna do well, we don't do like well, it as a stat. Yeah, we took you, a stand. We're like, we're not even gonna dignify this by picking. I was gonna say, if you think the team's gonna do well, then basically you can just kind of pick the person with the most ice time and say that they'll probably lead in uh, plus minus. And hey, look at that. Last year that was true. Okay, moving forward. Um, penalty <laughs> minutes, RJ. Now the Kraken are a team that. Um, they can have discipline issues at times, but, uh, but mostly it's just they can't remember how to stop counting at five, much like you uh, picking over-unders for, for the team. <laughs> you, you got me there. 
I, I loved whoever in the comments, by the way, was saying, you know, over under five and a half team based over unders for RJ next year. That was a great comment. We got to oh, chuckle out of that one. It was a good one from Edward there. Yes. Um, penalty minutes, RJ, who's who's going to be that uh, person having to serve time in the box for when the Kraken have uh, their their numerous too many men penalties this year? I know, right? Um, I, I don't think the penalty minutes are actually attributed to the person serving the oh, penalty for that one. So that's a wash. So we're going to have to look elsewhere. And this is an interesting question, too, because the results, if you want to look at past performance, are, are kind of scattered. Because yeah. year one, the leader was Jeremy Lozon. And so we knew picking for year two that that wasn't going to happen yeah. because he was off in Nashville, uh, thankfully. And so this year, we, we weren't really sure. I think I picked Adam Larson. Uh, thinking just okay, it's a it's accounting cumulative stat most ice time. He plays defense. It's hard to take penalties. I was very wrong on that. He finished fifth. Uh, Yanni Gord was actually the penalty minutes leader last season uh, by quite a bit actually. Carson Susi number two, so we know he won't factor in next season. Yep. Um, it's tough to pick. I I feel like Yanni probably won't get into it that much to get seventy six penalty minutes again. I could be wrong. I'm gonna go with Jamie Alexiak. Uh, who led the team in fights. I could see him, you know, continue to do that again. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a tough assignment, right? When he's playing that defensive role, having to kind of shut down people. And, and on that deep air with Will Borgen too, where sometimes there's miscommunications and such that might lead to a penalty. I, I think Alexiak will probably take the crown. I just don't think it'll be the same person. It's been different people year one to year two. I think we're going to have to take someone else. Uh, not, not Gordon, certainly not Lausanne. You, you, well, yes. Gosh, <laughs> definitely hope so. Um, you don't think Yachty Guard could do that? Pepper Pot getting in there, causing all that ruckus, net front, all I that kind of stuff? I think he could. I think he could. Or on I the think hard with the, the hard back checking, playing the two-way game, right? He's got to chase somebody down, gets a stick up in the hand. He usually does that pretty cleanly, though. I, I think you look at those penalties... Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of it is the pepper pot type of penalties. And I think with the Kraken, knowing that they're a playoff team mm -hmm. this year and that maybe, you know, every regular season game isn't as do or die. You, you maybe don't need Yanni to be the pepper pot as often, at least in the way that's going to earn him penalty minutes. Yeah. So I think you will see that come down a little bit. Because uh, remember last season, you know, the playoffs were, were far from assured. Every regular season game felt like it meant so much. And so he was playoff Yanni more often in the regular season than, than maybe he would be in the past. I think you see that with this being a career high for him in penalty minutes. I mean, his previous high was uh, 10 penalty minutes less at 66 at Tampa and 18, 19, as he was kind of in his second season, really, you know, being a full timer in the NHL. So I think that number is going to come down. All right. I, I, I understand that. And I think Alexiak's a good solid pick. Again, the, the fights, you know, give him a safer floor uh, than a lot of mm -hmm. other guys. I'm actually going to go with Vince Dunn, though. I think, you know, he signed the big extension. Everybody knows who he is. He's he's going to, you know, we'll get to ice time in a second. But I, I think Vince Dunn's going to be out there a lot. We know, you know, he can. Um be a little bit of a hothead he's generally pretty good though about controlling it getting upset without like it spilling over into chaos or anything like that um i just think it's it's going to be you know this year i think the team's going to be fairly disciplined and it just might be a simple equivalency of whoever's out there the most just ends up with the most it'll just be purely counting stat stuff i i agree with you i think defensemen are slightly more likely to take a penalty just because of the nature of the position and uh i think nobody's going to see more ice time than vince dunn so i just think vince dunn's going to take it all right i mean that's a fair pick going over on the dunder taker you yeah. know thinking that uh 
He's, he's going to be the Dundertaker a few more times than he was maybe last season. He's always been in that conversation penalty minutes wise, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think last season he finished fourth uh, in the Kraken's inaugural season. He finished second behind only yeah. Lausanne. So, you know, he's been up there. This, I, I this think is the year he takes the crown, RJ. <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, hopefully that's more, you know, maybe fight based and less, um, you know, just two minute minor tripping, all that kind of stuff based. Yes. Um, did we do this one last year? Game-winning goals? Did I don't remember doing it last year. We might have, but we probably should do it it's, this year. I think it's something we should do. Yeah. I mean, well, I think did we do power play and shorthanded goals? I think we did shorthanded goals. I remember that conversation. Yeah, we did. We did. All right. So let's start with those first. Power play and shorthanded goals. RJ. Power play goals. Jared McCann. Yep. Jared McCann. I don't. I don't think we need to discuss that further. Yep. Dark, dark horse Maddie. I think he's going to be involved on the power play. There we go. Yep. I, I do agree with you there. I, if, if anyone else, maybe Bjorkstrand, if they actually use the bumper spot at some point. Yeah. Or, you know, Berkey, right? Like, yep. I don't know. Uh, shorthanded goals. Now this one, Jared McCann took last year and it kind of wasn't close three for him. And then three for the rest of the team combined. Um, do you think Jared McCann repeats that, RJ? Or do you think somebody else is able to sneak in there and, and maybe get some more shorthanded goals? Maybe Adam Larson's, Larson builds off the one he had this year and gets some more. Mm-hmm. It was a spectacular shorthanded goal for Adam Larson. I'd love to see him build off of that. I don't know that he's going to get enough for the team lead. Uh, but uh, I, I think given the nature of a stat like this, it's going to be someone different. It just it seems that it's someone different every year. I think what their inaugural season, it was geo with two. <laughs> you might've been tied for the lead. Yeah. So you never, that shows you never know who it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to go with Yanni. He was one, okay. one of the players with a shorthanded goal last season. I think you'll find a little bit more finish on the, uh, you know, quote unquote power kill this coming season. Uh, I, I just, it's with this stat like this, you have to just go with, you know, who are you feeling lucky about? I'll go Yanni Gord. I was going to say, and that's where, you know, McCann is like the, uh, he's obviously the best sniper on the team. He does play out there on the penalty kill. So it makes sense that he'd be up there, but there's someone RJ who gets so many breakaways on these power kills, who is so active out there. <laughs> oh, you are going to really go there. Get, who really gets out there. And I think this is the year that the luck kind of tips in his favor a little bit more. And that is of course, Brandon Tanev who I think is going to be able to lead the team in shorthanded goals. Might not be with the bunch, right? It might be only with two or three. But I think Brandon Tanev this year is going to find a way to, to bury, you know, he's going to be able to get the breakaway uh, percentage up to, you know, maybe like 15%, which means it'll be a couple of goals in there. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think, yeah, 15% might be a little generous. But uh, good. I love the optimism from you there, Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, you know, just, just trying, just trying. I and you know, come on, everybody would be thrilled, right? Like, imagine CPA, Brandon Tanev break away on a on a penalty kill. He buries it. Like, place will go nuts. One of the loudest things that can happen in a regular season, I bet. All right, game winners, RJ. Now, last year the Kraken had a three way tie for the top spot. Matty Beneers, Jordan Eberle, and Justin Schultz. All with the team leading four game-winning goals, and then like a hundred people, it seems like, with three. Seven, if we're being specific, but seven players with three game-winning goals last year uh, behind those leaders. So, RJ, this year, one, is somebody going to be able to singularly lead the team in game-winning goals? And two, who do you think that person could be? 
Um, I don't think there's going to be a singular leader in game winning goals. It's just it's too tough of a stat to really break away from the pack, especially on a team built like the Kraken. Look, mm-hmm. there are no superstars on this team that are carrying yep. the way. We, we love that about this team. Um, but I think you're going to see that again uh, this year. So I think there will be some kind of tie, which, hey, just gives us more of a chance of being right in picking yeah. this. There was a three way tie in their inaugural season between Yanni Gord, Adam Larson and Brandon Tanev. Uh, playing only 30 games for Brandon Tanev and still getting three game winners mm-hmm. in the inaugural season. So there's always some surprises with this stat. Um, and I'm going to go with a player who I just can remember off the top of my head, kind of scoring a clutch game winner in overtime last season. Um, and who was one of those guys with three last season. That's Andre Burakovsky. Mm-hmm. I think he's just got that clutch ability about him. He steps up in those big moments. And because he'll play more games, we'll see it a lot more. I, I really like that pick from you. Uh, he was who I was going to pick, although I think there is another name that could potentially do it as well. Someone who played even less games than Burakovsky, but also had three game winners last year, and that's Ellie Tolvanen. So a full season mm. of Ellie Tolvanen in the lineup, uh, if he can get some, you know, some of those power play goals of his, um, or just, you know, in general working with... Um, uh, Yanni Gord and and the and Bjorkstrand. If we think that line takes a step forward with you know Bjorkstrand and all that kind of stuff, I could see Ellie Tolfinen, uh, you know, certainly building off of the three he had in the forty eight games, and with you know a full eighty two under his belt, I think he could he could certainly get up to four or maybe five. Yeah, I think that's not out of the question. Uh, he's got that shot. You know, he's had some get three game winners in forty eight games last season. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, I do find out none of us, neither of us are taking Jared McCann. We didn't even talk about him. Yeah, well, because he had three with everybody else. And, you know, the bottom line is Jared McCann, he's really good. How many goals was he scoring in the first period? A lot of them, right? Whereas you look yeah. at Ellie Tolvanen, what's his shot? It's a, it's a slap shot, right? When does slap shot tend to go in later in a game because goalie's a little bit more tired maybe, less, less on it, right? Defense is a little bit more tired. Maybe that helps him out a little bit. I'm mostly just saying this, but uh, <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, so I, I just think him and, and then cer- certainly with Berkey, Berkey was the guy that I remember too, right? Like he was the, the kind of clutch guy late in the game. You can send it over his mm-hmm. way and he'd be able to, to find a way to squeak it through. But I, I think both those guys could be up there at the top. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right. Um, I mean, what what should we what should we do next? I, I don't exactly remember the order from last year. Did we use shots or shooting percentage? Yeah, let's let's go into shots and shooting percentage. Let's let hockey reference be our guide as we go left to right here on this page. Yes, there we go. Uh, so look, I don't see a reason why Jared McCann wouldn't lead the team in shots. Uh, this is a team we've talked about it many times. They don't have a volume shooter. There is no Alex Ovechkin or Brent Burns on this team that's going to take 400 shots a season. That's just not how any of these guys roll. That being said, Jared McCann and Oliver Bjorkstrand are the two guys that come closest to that. I got to think it'll be one of them. Right. It's a two-man race here for, for most shots on the team, really, unless something happens to, I guess, both of them where they're not playing the full complement of games. Um, yeah, you mentioned it. Nobody else on this team is really a volume shooter. I don't see anybody else you know, becoming a volume shooter at, at this point. I mean, you know, Burakovsky was, was kind of in that conversation, but still his pace really wasn't enough to get him mm-hmm. up to McCann and Bjorkstrand levels. I'm going to pick Bjorkstrand, though. Okay. I, I think his ice time approaches... Yeah, I think his ice time gets a little bit higher. It might not be what Jared McCann's is, but he's more of a volume shooter 
you know, based on the opportunities that he gets than Jared McCann is. I think Jared McCann is actually a fairly selective shooter, given that he's the 40 goal scorer type. I think Bjorkstrand's going to come ahead in the numbers game. I 100% understand where you're coming from, and I totally see the logic in that, especially because there was a large section of last year when Bjorkstrand wasn't scoring that he did kind of stop shooting as much because he was focused then on distributing and trying to help out the team. He's like, well, if I can't score, I'm going to at least help out the team in some other way. Here's the thing, though, RJ. You know what's better than scoring 40 goals in a season? Scoring 41 goals in a season? Scoring 40 goals in a season again. All right. I think Jared McCann has tasted that. <laughs> he's tasted the 40 goals. He's going to want to make it happen again. I think we're going to see a, a larger uptick in shots from Jared McCann as he tries to equal or best his mark from last year and, and get the respect he deserves around the league. So while I while I agree in normal circumstances, Bjorkstrand makes a lot of sense. The fact that you know if, if Jared McCann had 39 goals last year, I'd, I'd be with you, RJ. But he got 40. He reached that promised land. He's he's going to come back out, and he's going to be sh- getting five or six shots a game. All right. We'll see who's right. Uh, shooting percentage. This one's hard. I, I don't know that we can entirely do it. It's a little all over the place. Um, right. I mean, is there going to be a, a games played minimum here? Because you look at the shooting percentage from the Kraken Shane last Wright. season, technically. Yes. And Shane Wright is the leader, actually, uh, with one goal on four shots for a 25% shooting percentage. Uh, nice. John Hayden, number two, with two goals on nine shots. Uh, impressive 22.2% shooting percentage. Uh, you get into the players who actually played close to the full complement of games. And Jared McCann, the leader, with a 19 shooting percentage um and you know we know how talented he is we know how great that shot is um but you know you, you think maybe that number is a little bit too high to be sustainable i yeah do you have a feeling here i mean what, what's your thought process in, in just picking someone i i think every year you got to look at the people who had kind of a normal shooting percentage the previous season and then just go who can get lucky next year all right and i think the playoffs provided us with that answer I think the playoffs last season showed us somebody who might be getting a little bit more aggressive, who might be finding some confidence with their shot. And I'm, of course, talking about Alexander Wenberg. Now, is he going to lead the team in goals? No, I don't think so. Is he going to be a big volume shooter? No, I don't think so. But dude was a... That's an understatement. <laughs> yes, it is. Is Alex Wenberg going to be a big volume shooter, Dylan? What no, do you think? no, absolutely not. But here's the thing. He had 13 goals last season. Based on his playoff performance, he was able to bury some. He showed he has a good shot. He has a good feel for it. When he decides to take shots, he actually does really, really well with them. And he shoots. He shot at just under 13% last year at 12.9. I think if he just decides to shoot a little bit more, he's really good at choosing his spots. I think he could start pushing for a 20-goal season. And if he does that, that shooting percentage is going to be in that like 17 18% range. Interesting. I mean, that's a really fascinating pick. I like that just because of how interesting it is. I don't think you'll be right, but I like the pick. I'm going to go kind of the opposite side of that. Maybe the least interesting pick. I I think it's going to be Jared McCann. Uh I don't think it'll be as high as 19, but I've look, I have stopped wondering when that shooting percentage is going to come down. It, It just it seems to be like we, we talked about this during the season, right? Like it's regressing into the cloud. <laughs> like it, regress- it should be regressing to the mean. Maybe the mean is just higher and higher. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll you know regress to 20. Um, I don't know. But uh, I think just given the shooting talent, he's and he's again, he's not really a, a volume mm-hmm. shooter where it's going to bring that percentage down. I still think he's going to lead the team. There's just so much talent there. 
there is there is there is for for sure but um yeah i mean we'll find out i would love if he repeated it right let's go ahead and get it you know if, 20 why not if wenberg is in the even if jared mccann leads the team in shooting percentage if wenberg is in the top three i'll give you the win on this okay i totally accept just that. to even out the odds there Let's let's go, Winnie. Let's go. Um, all right. So average time on ice. RJ, tell me why next year's uh, leader in average time on ice for the Kraken won't be Martin Jones. Ah, yes. Um, well, there's this team called the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, and they make there? decisions sometimes. I've never heard of them and... before. <laughs> yep. I, I know we definitely do not hear about them Maybe. at all in the hockey media, but this team exists Yeah, and uh, they uh, signed Martin Jones to a contract. So uh, he will probably be playing some games for them. Maybe, oh, yeah. uh, but that means he will not be playing games for the Kraken most likely this coming season. No. Um, but we're going to go look at skater average yeah, time yes, on ice. Definitely. I think that's probably the better way to do this. Vince Dunn was the leader last season, mm-hmm. but man, it was a neck and neck race. Yeah, it was. Uh, he averaged 2340. Adam Larson, his D partner, 2338. Kind of shows how attached to the hip they were for pretty much all of the season. Um, Dylan, is there any chance that it's not Vince Dunn or Adam Larson? No, because I mean, they're just going to get the most five on five ice time like and it probably won't even be close right we're talking maybe six minutes more than anybody else like i don't know assuming assuming hacksaw doesn't decide to go with his forward lines to a more traditional you know top line gets 20 minutes a night kind of situation if he sticks with the way he did things last year where like the top three lines kind of all get the same it's not even going to be close it'll be those two guys and then the question comes down to special teams time for them right adam larson is going to be out there for what a minute 20 of just about every penalty kill that the Kraken have. It seems like, um, whereas Vince Dunn might not get as much PK time, but he, he gets the benefit of being on that second unit power play, uh, to help out there. And Larson, you know, probably going to get under a minute of power play time next season. So, um, that one certainly helps, uh, for Vince Dunn. I think they're going to want to try to work Vince Dunn more in on the power play. So I'm going to think I got to think Vince Dunn is going to continue. This is the fact that he gets second unit PK and he might start getting more first unit power play. I think that'll get him up closer to the 24 minute mark while Larson is going to hang around that 2330. All right. I was hoping you might go with Adam Larson because I was feeling the same way as you with Vince Dunn. I think they're really going to yeah. try and get something to click on the power play. He's going to get that extra little bit of time. Um, I mean, th- the other way I could see it going, I guess, is if the crack can continue to to be really good and defend a lot of leads late in games Mm -hmm. that maybe you have Larson out there without done. I know that Larson Alexiak pair kind of becomes a thing when you're defending a lead late, but especially with the new contract for Vince Dunn, you're, you know, you're going to play him as much as you can. Mm -hmm. You're going to see what he's got. The team believes in him. I think it's going to be Vince Dunn again this year. Yeah. You don't play a defenseman like that, not to then have him be your uh, time on ice leader. Like that's just not how it's done. You know what I mean? Um, Yep. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, look, hey, Vince Dunn missed one game last year because he was pulled. They knew they were going to the playoffs. They, they healthy scratched him and wanted to make sure he stayed healthy for the playoff run. Uh, maybe that happens again next year, in which case that, that also can help because then, you know, you don't get the – you're not in there in a game late in the season. You kind of know maybe where you're already seated for the playoffs. And so they play you a little less. They just take you out entirely, and it doesn't affect your uh, time on ice. 
Exactly. And you kind of saw that effect last season too. Vince Dunn playing one fewer game than Adam yep. Larson. Larson was the actual time on ice leader yes. among Kraken skaters, but Dunn still took the average crown by two seconds. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, there's there's not even a dark horse outside of those guys, in, in my opinion. It's going to be one of them for nope. sure. All right. Blocked shots, RJ. Who is going to be the guy out there just eating pucks for, for the Seattle Kraken? Um, I don't know. This is kind of like goal scoring with Jared McCann. It'll be Adam Larson. Yeah, this one feels too easy. He's been the team block shots leader each of their two, first two seasons, and it hasn't been particularly close no. either year. So I, Adam Larson, for sure, is is going to be the block shot leader, is, assuming he can stay somewhat healthy, which he's done a pretty good job of yeah. over, over these last two seasons. It's going to be Adam Larson. I mean, there's no real dark horse candidate even, I think, to, to lead the team. <laughs> I mean, is there anyone that maybe would block a surprising amount of shots? Uh, that that we might look at in, in the top five or so that we wouldn't expect. I no, right? You look at the next one. First off, it's about a sixty block shot drop off from Adam Larson to number two with Jamie <laughs> Alexiak. So that's that's a lot of block shots. You're talking about almost one a game. Um, Alexiak was there. You know, Carson Susi was in third. He's no longer there. Uh, Will Borgen in fourth. Vince Dunn at five. You know, maybe. Uh, Brian Dumoulin, if he just decides to focus on defense, he starts throwing his body in front of everything. Maybe, I guess, but I just got to think this is going to be Adam Larson. And hey, this is a straight counting stat. We just talked about Larson and Vince Dunn are going to be the guys out there the most. We talked about how much he's out there on the PK, especially. That is part of this is that he is, you know, he gets the most opportunity to block shots. So he blocks the most shots. Yeah, it, it, that's basically how it works. And I mean, you did mention Dumoulin. I'm glad you did, because I mean, he might be the dark horse guy if there was one. Blocked 142 shots in Pittsburgh last year, a similar mm-hmm. number the year before. So that would put him, you know, at least 30 in behind range. Larson. Yeah, said, in range, at least. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Dumoulin up there in the top three. Yeah. So um, block shots is, is, you know, kind of a foregone conclusion. Hits, though very much not the case this is one there's a lot of close stuff i already know who you're going to say rj before yeah, we I'm even sure get do. there tell everybody why will borgen is going to lead the team in hits this year he's a monster dylan i come on i mean of course he's gonna lead the team in hits the way he can throw the body around i mean if they count it for hits when he's able to kind of wrestling slam someone to the ground i think they count that for a hit um but yeah i mean he was right there in range of adam larson last season i think he's only going to get more ice time he Mm -hmm. averaged 16 22 last season i think the team sees enough in him to give him the opportunity to take that next step he'll probably be playing some top four minutes like he was toward the end of last season. They haven't really brought anyone else on that right D side to compete with him. Um, that number is only going to go up. Will Borg is going to lead the team in hits. Tell me why he won't fill it. Um, because they really want Dumoulin and Schultz to play together as the second pairing. And so Will Borgen just somehow doesn't get as much ice time. Like that's what it would take, right? Like, I, I'm not going to make an argument for, for why Larson will or why, why Larson's going to overtake Look, him. The argument he was the leader last season. I was going to say the argument for Larson is just he's going to get the most ice time even still over Will Borgen. So he just gets the most opportunity. I actually think somebody like a Brandon Tanev, you know, last year, 190. Again, we're talking, you know, 13 less than Will Borgen had. Uh, he was third on the team. And I think, you know. There was probably elements early on in the season we had talked about, maybe him playing a little bit more cautiously, re- regaining confidence in his leg after the ACL tear and stuff. 
if he doesn't kind of have that start to a season, maybe Brandon Tanev could lead this team in hits, right? He's going to get the PK time. He's going to be able to be out there. We know his roster spot is pretty safe as long as he doesn't kind of get buried on a fourth line and then get like, you know, nine minutes a night. I don't see why Brandon Tanev can't go out there and, and really rack up the hits. I mean, we'd have to do math at a level higher than anything I can do. But I, it, looking at the numbers, I think Brandon Tanev might have led the team in hits per you know minute kind of thing, hits per 60 here. So um, if not, he must have been close based on the numbers. So I, I think there's, a, there's, an, there's an off chance that it might be a forward, and that forward would be Brandon Tanev. All right. I mean, I, Tanev was certainly in range and, and certainly out of the top five or so hits for 60, just doing some rough math in my head. You're absolutely right about him having the higher rate of hits. And, you know, if his ice time goes up at all from the, the 14, 13 that he averaged last season, um, he could do that. And look, we, we know what we're getting from Brandon Tanev. He's going to go out there and hit everything in sight. Um, and, you know, especially kind of more, more visible hits, maybe not along the corners and the walls. I, I do trust the off ice officials to, you know, to, track every every hit and yes. as it should be i guess but you know there's some variance there in different buildings and everything too where there's hits that are obvious that are, get tracked like oh yeah that's a hit versus mm -hmm. others like you know you have to go back and look was that a hit was that just kind of like a rub out on the boards uh tanev usually leaves no question yeah e exactly so i like brandon tanev but i i think will borgen and adam larson like it it is those three guys <laughs> it's gotta be those three guys some combination there uh and then finally here for for skaters for like these more traditional stats rj face off win percentage the last couple of years it's been a battle for you know again throwing out the people who only take a handful of face-offs it was you know a real battle between yanni gordon morgan geeky through years one and two geeky took year one yanni gord took year two um but morgan geeky's gone now rj so is anybody gonna be able to challenge yanni gord at the top of the face-off win leaders uh like uh like morgan geeky was able to these last couple seasons Yes, and it's the guy that they brought in for that specific purpose. That's Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Um, he's basically the Morgan Geeky replacement as a face-off taker on the fourth line. Uh, he's got great career numbers, better than anything the Kraken put up last season. Uh, I think he can pr pretty much reliably do. You know, I think he's going to be the face-off leader. You can tell me whether you agree or disagree. But my dark horse candidate for, for face-off percentage leader is somebody who's, I, I can't even give you a name, somebody who's not on the team yet. Oh. Whoever they trade for at the deadline, you know, to maybe help with that issue. I think you could actually see the team leader in faceoff percentage be somebody who's not on the team yet. That's my dark horse pick. Yes, we we have talked about this. Uh, we talked about this a little bit um, previously. Yeah, I I I think I totally understand that one. I think there's there's a chance for that. Um, I think it's going to depend on you know the Shane Wright situation, if he's going to be around as to how many face-offs Belmar gets and what, what the lineup ends up looking like. Um, but I like that. I still think Yanni Gord, I think Yanni Gord, this is the year RJ, this is the year he gets over 50% for, you know, again, he, he had that a couple years ago in Tampa for two years in a row. Hasn't had it since. I think this next season is the year that, that things click and he's able to get back up over 50%. And I think Yanni Gord is going to be that guy for the Kraken. Um, especially now, you know, he's had the taste of the playoffs again. He knows all that important stuff. He's going to go out there and he's going to eat people like Jack Eichel alive, RJ. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he might do that. I, I'm looking at Yanni Gord's career best seasons. And, and those are, that's a down year for Pierre Edward Belmar and the dot. 
but uh, you know, I, I like the faith that you have in him. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm kind of saying Belmar might not get to the uh, the the requisite number of faceoffs. Okay, <laughs> depending, so, yeah, I right? think Yanni That's... will win more faceoffs for sure. Yes, but look at it percentage. I, yes. I think Belmar is going to be the leader. Belmar with the season at sixty percent. Jeez. Um, okay. Uh, do we want to do advanced stats for skaters, or are we moving on to goalies? I mean, there's not really, you know. Who's going to lead the team in offensive zone start percentage, RJ? Uh, do we do we need to go into the weeds on this one? I mean, you it's know. Shane Wright, <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. There we go. I mean, you know, aside from some, you know, rookie who maybe gets a call up for for a couple games, you know, whether it's a you know Colin or someone like that getting called up. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that that one's uh, you know worth diving into too deep. Uh, oh, we mean we're not going to give a, get get into uh, takeaways, RJ. <laughs> Alex Wenberg I I haven't even checked the takeaway stats from last year but it has to be Wenberg yes it was uh 19 more than second place Yanni Gord for Wenberg there yeah and and seeing how his face just lit up when I asked him about it too Mm -hmm. uh, you know that he takes pride in that he's going to be the team leader in takeaways again right and he's going to do a bunch in the offensive zone and then he's going to turn around and shoot the puck it's going to be great lead the team in shooting percentage you're just feeding my argument, RJ. Ah, um, uh, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, giveaways is one of those. Whoever handles the puck the most always leads in it. Vince Dunn last year, probably the same thing. Again, he's out there the most and he's handling the puck the most. Why wouldn't he? Um, all right, then. Goaltenders, RJ. So now things get interesting here because I believe you have some info on what we decided to do last year when it came to goaltenders. That's right. So I went back and looked at last year's picks and we didn't even really talk about it. We gave it the Jared McCann goal treatment. Yeah. We figured, okay, you know, this season it, it's easy, especially with Drieger missing, you know, a good chunk of the season and Martin Jones coming as the backup. Like, all right, Philip Grubauer, he's going to lead in every category. He's going to lead in wins, goals against average save percentage. There's no point even talking about it. Grubauer mm-hmm. will lead the team in all of those things. And actually, we were surprisingly wrong on that front. Uh, Martin Jones, the team leader in wins. Um, Joey Decord, the team leader in save percentage. And uh, Grubauer, the team leader in um, goals against average. So you have it kind of split between the three goalies there. We certainly did not see that coming with Martin Jones starting more games than Philip Grubauer. Injury, of course, playing a big role in that. But Jones really stepping up as the backup. So I think... That's a lesson for us. I think we can't take anything for granted with goaltending. That's something we should have probably known already, that that's just how it works in hockey. You certainly can't take anything for granted goaltending-wise, and especially this season for the Kraken, too. Look, we we know Philip Grubauer, if he's healthy, will get the big bulk of the games, right? He's going to start the majority of them. Um, But you can't guarantee that, and we don't even know who the backup's going to be. Chris Drieger and Joey Decord Mm -hmm. will battle it out during training camp and during the preseason for that backup spot. So there's really three names we could go with for any of these categories. And I think it's worthwhile picking the leaders and and maybe thinking about a dark horse candidate. Definitely. Definitely. So let's, all right. I was going to say, let's go with the easy one and go with wins again, but like that wasn't the easy one last year. Again, we're working under the assumption. Everybody's healthy. RJ as I knock more on wood. Uh, Thank you, Afra for not barking. Um, (laughs) Grubauer, right? He's just going to get the most starts, right? The, the the battle here for goaltenders is really to be the backup to Grubauer. I don't see that changing really. Um, so I, and, and given Grubauer the way he came back 
last season from the injury, the way he played in the playoffs. Grubauer is going to have a very long leash, at least, to start the season. I got to think that just based purely upon the opportunities, Philip Grubauer is going to lead the team in wins. Yeah, the only way to say otherwise is to predict an injury, which I I don't think we really want to do. So, yeah, Grubauer for wins for sure. All right. Now, save percentage, RJ, going left to right here on, on Hockey Reference. That one's interesting, okay? We've talked about Philip Grubauer. We talked about this last week with the over-under on the save percentage, right? I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I think, you know, he's going to kind of regress up to where he's been his whole career prior to joining the Kraken. Um, I still think Philip Grubauer is going to really bounce back save percentage-wise this year and be able to get up over the average save percentage for an NHL goaltender this next upcoming season. And I think that is going to carry him to the highest save percentage. All right. I, I like your optimism there. As with the over-unders, I'm, I'm going to make a different pick. I'm going to pick Joey Decord okay. to repeat, as odd as that sounds, to repeat as the Kraken save percentage leader, albeit with a, a larger sample size this upcoming season. I think he's probably going to win the backup job. If I had to just pick it right now, I think it's still a wide open backup race right now, but I think Decord will end up winning that race. And I think he will start, I don't know, how many games are we thinking? You know, 20, 20, 25 games, yeah, not a whole lot. There. But in that sample size, I think he can have a higher save percentage than Philip Grubauer. I think it's going to be... I don't want to say completely random, but just given how this team is defensively, I talked about in the over-unders where goalie numbers are just going to look worse than they actually play. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to bring all goalies, whether it's two, three, however many play for the crack, and it's going to bring them kind of closer to a similar number. And I think Decord will edge out just a little bit ahead of Grubauer. I do like that, especially like that, yeah, you know, save percentage being one of those ones where sometimes, yeah, the person playing the fewer games can kind of protect it a little bit easier. Um, can't always say the same thing about goals against average RJ, uh, just because it, it does require those 60 minutes played and the minutes to pile up uh, to kind of help you out if you do have a, a bad game or two. It's, I'm just repeating from last year, but I'm going with the clean sweep for Philip Grubauer, RJ. I just think because he's going to get the most minutes, he'll be able to kind of even things out, get that average as low as possible. Um, I'm going with Philip Grubauer for GAA. It's a solid pick. You know, I'm kind of tempted to pick Chris Drieger in like you know, three or four games that he might get because um, I, I think the team might be really motivated to play in front of him and, and you know, just kind of have low scoring games. And yeah, go ahead. You think so? You don't think his style kind of leads to, you know, leaving himself open to one of those more like four or five goals against kind of games? It does. You know, it really does. And I and I suppose if he plays well enough and the goals against average is low enough, you know, and the team's playing well in front of him, that maybe he'll get enough games that it, it'll kind of even out. So, you know, and I, I'll back off of this pick. You've, you've talked <laughs> I... me out of it. I'll go Grubauer for, for goals against average. All right. I, I didn't mean to. I was just throwing that out there. Um, I could see Drieger being the sneaky dark horse for save percentage, though. Yeah. You know, especially especially when he gets all kind of floppy in the crease there and he just makes like four or five like subsequent saves on like all the rebounds those help yeah yeah i could see and i wasn't he this team save percentage leader in their inaugural season yes he was with an 899 save percentage so he is he's done it before as weird as that is to think about this team feels like a long time ago this team these goaltenders just get anywhere close to 900 and you're gonna lead the team all right (laughs) 
Last one that I, I think really works for this, and that is quality start percentage. Uh, again, not going to go with just quality starts because, you know, it's going to go to the guy who gets the most opportunity most likely, although last year that wasn't the case. Grubauer was able to do it. Um, a quality start, RJ, well, first off, you want to explain what a quality start is, RJ? Yes, I was about to kind of cut you off there and say, let's explain what a quality yeah. start is. Um, so quality start is based off of a, a stat called goal saved above expected. Um, and so uh, without getting the weeds too much, uh, it looks at each shot basically has a level of expected goals based on a number of, of factors like location, shot type, uh, you know, sometimes player shooting and all of that. And so um, you have a certain amount of expected goals that a goalie will face over the course of a game of all the shots that they face. And then you have the number of actual goals that they allow in a game. And so you compare those two numbers, um, you know, say a goalie faces three expected goals, go you know, the amount of, of goals that they would be expected to give up based on the shot quality in that game that they have faced. And then they allow two actual goals. You know, they, they allow two goals in the game. So that would, they would have a goal saved above expected of one. So they would have saved one goal above the expected amount uh, that they were basically expected to allow. Um, and so that would qualify as a quality start. So a quality start is when you have a positive goal saved above expected. Um, and a, a not quality start is when it would be below, uh, you know, the, the goals, the goal saved above expected would be, um, sorry. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me make this clear. So it's basically when that number <laughs> is, is lower, I, it's, it's intuitive. You can, you can kind yes. of figure it out hopefully yes. uh, before I just get you know tongue tied and lost on my words here. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's quality start. And so quality start percentage is the percentage of your starts that are quality starts. Yeah. It's so percentage just, of total starts that are quality starts. Yeah. Yeah. Did better than you were supposed to. That's basically it. Uh, so yeah, can't say that about my explanation, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, so last year, Philip Grubauer really took this, took this one. I mean, he led the team in quality starts, the quality start percentage for him, six eleven, according to hockey reference, uh, Martin Jones in second place at four seventy six. Um, does, does Philip Grubauer keep that crown RJ? Yeah, you know, I, I think he does. Um, okay. I, I think he does keep that crown. Um, and, you know, this does take into account you know, more than maybe just a save percentage goals yes. against average. It does put shot quality, uh, you know, as a factor. And I think that's something certainly last season that really showed the difference where you look at Martin Jones, a much better win loss record. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, he had a lot of goal support going for him. I know for stretches of the yep. season, he was top two in the NHL in goal support. Just the Kraken were scoring five, six, seven goals. It seemed like every time he was in net and that doesn't really get, you know, captured by quality start percentage. Whereas Grubauer, I mean, he was among the lowest in the league as far as goal support. It just felt like he couldn't get any help from his offense. Um, and I, I don't know if that trend is going to continue next season, but I know when there's a lot of, shot quality he tends to do pretty well yeah. and keep his team in games even if he doesn't get the win even if that save percentage looks bad uh, there are just a lot of high quality chances against him so I i'm gonna take him as the leader all right chris drieger for me this oh, is where okay. i think chris drieger comes in look joey kind of gets burned sometimes by the shot quality thing 
I still think that there's some issues with him making saves up high at the NHL level. That happens a little bit more. It, you know, he's, he gets sheltered from that specifically at the lower levels like in Coachella. I think Joey's going to struggle with that a little bit, at least early on in the season. I'm sure, you know, also last year he made, you know, four starts, but they were all spread out all over the place. If he's able to make some starts in a row, I, obviously he's going to be able to turn out better performances. But I just think Chris Drieger is this kind of guy, right? Isn't he, RJ? Just come in, play like eight games this season and just get like, you know, five quality starts out of it and just look fantastic for that little bit of stretch. <laughs> I could see it. And that's why I was tempted to pick him with the goals against average or, or at least one of these stats, right? Having Chris yeah. Drieger somewhere on this board, because I do think he's going to play at least one game for the Kraken this season. Most yes. teams don't just have the two goalies play for them no. all year. Um, something happens in the crease. Usually we've seen that for the crack in each of the last two seasons. I think Drieger will get some starts and, you know, I, I like his odds. If he does, I just, I think, um, you know, he's going to be motivated to show what he can do. And I think he really does have that talent uh, as soon as the opportunity rises. Yeah, definitely. So, um, there, there we go. That's, uh, that's really it. I mean, is there a, a special goaltending stat you want to, uh, you want to include RJ? Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> this is what I'm looking at next to quality start percentage. Really bad starts. Starts yeah. with the save percentage below 85%. I'm going to shy away That's from, not from that, that stat. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kraken had a team total of 25 last season. No. Let's hope that number decreases. So let's let's not look at that. Let's not end no. on that. No. Uh, okay. Looking uh, literally anywhere else than RJ. <laughs> We talked about, um, uh, yeah, a lot of the team stats and stuff last year. All right, this is the last place. Shootout results, RJ. All right? The Kraken oh, had, I love this. The Kraken yeah, this had great. one, count them, one shootout goal all of last season. It was Jordan Eberle. Right, so he went saying... one for four, shot 25% on the season. RJ, the Kraken are going to have at least two shootout goals this upcoming season. I feel very confident in saying that. All right. One I, will yeah, be Jordan Everly. One will be Jordan okay. Everly. I feel pretty confident in saying that, that he's good for one a year. Who's going to score the other one? You know what? I am so tempted to go Will Borgen here because I know he would be a shootout ace. But no, I, I'm not going to say him because I know he'll never get the chance. He needs the chance. Yep. Yeah, I mean, heck, Adam Larson, I think, would score. You know, you saw what he was able to do on a breakaway late last season. Yep. Uh, Lars himself said he should be a shootout option. He's like, I don't think Hack would agree with that. We asked Hack. He said, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so I, I don't think he's going to start giving shootout attempts to his defensemen there, even if they produce results. Right. Um, I will I will stay on the Will Borgen for shootout train. But, um, you know, until that becomes the case, look, they lost a lot of their their main shooter, Ryan Donato, Daniel Sprong. Yeah, those um, are the other guys you know, with those multiple guys attempts. You know, besides Jordan yeah, Everly, you're gonna, you're gonna have to find different shooters. And I'm kind of racking my brain going through all the practice shootout attempts that I saw. Um, and you know, I'm gonna go with Oliver Bjorkstrand. Okay. Because I think he actually has a chance of being named a shooter there. He's <laughs> he's gonna be in that conversation. Hackstall won't think it's it's too crazy or ridiculous of an idea uh to have Oliver Bjorkstrand shoot. And I like the moves that I saw from him. So uh let's go with Bjorky. I do like that pick. Um, I like that pick a lot. I'm trying to decide right now between two names, RJ. One being 
Matthew Veneers, as uh, Hockey Reference calls him. Um, Matty Veneers, you know, I just think as as he, his continue his career continues to grow, he's going to get more and more opportunities to showcase more and more. I think this upcoming season we'll see him get a shootout attempt or two. Um, but the other one has kind of been the dark horse of the day, and that's Andre Burakovsky, right? He's a guy, he's got skill, he's got moves. He seems like someone that uh, now that Hackstall is going to need to fill out, you know, who his shootout shooters are going to be, I got to think his name is going to be close to top of that list. Yeah, and that makes sense. I certainly think he'll get the attempts. I mean, you look at when the Kraken shootouts happened, and I think you only had one of them happen before Burakovsky's season-ending injury. So he didn't really have a lot of chances. He didn't take a shootout attempt last season. I'm just like, how is that possible? Like, how, given their failures in the shootout, why didn't you give him a chance? But no, I mean, the only there's only one shootout that he that he could have possibly been in, and it was their first shootout of the season. So you don't really know that um, right away. Is that correct? I'm looking at the team game log here. I only see no, one. That other. Oh, well, yeah, go, go for it. No, go for it. Well, I see the one shootout against Vancouver, December 22nd. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the next one is January 21st. And isn't that after? Oh, no, that's not. That's before the all-star break. Yeah. That's before he was injured. So there's two true. shootouts. Yeah. Um, I was, no, I was just looking to see if there was like um, on hockey reference, if they had like players career shootout, like log or percentage. And it doesn't appear so at least not like super easy to, to, to grab here. Um, so that's a little unfortunate because I was, I just wanted to see like what he, you know, maybe he has been throughout his career, um, in a, in a shootout. So, you know, hockey reference, there you go. Suggestion. Add that, (laughs) you know, knowing them, they probably have it somewhere. We just haven't found it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it is one of those. Cause I was like, I was looking, I was like, he had to have taken a shot at some point, but then I was thinking about it. I mean, on Washington, he wouldn't be the first guy or second or even third guy called upon. And in Colorado, that wouldn't be the case either. It's entirely possible Andre Burakovsky just hasn't had that much experience in shootouts just because he's been on teams that haven't needed him. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible. I mean, I know the NHL has their long version of like everyone who's ever taken a shootout attempt. Uh, I don't think I could find him quickly enough, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, so there you go. There, there, there's our our picks for the shootout leaders tied with Jordan Everly for the upcoming season, um, and and all of our picks to lead the Seattle Kraken next season in all of the individual stat categories. As always, please let us know your thoughts on who you think going to lead any of these categories. If you think we forgot somebody as a dark horse, or you want to make your case for somebody. Please, please, please let us know in the YouTube comment section if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening anywhere else, you can, well, you can go to YouTube and leave the comment. Or you can reach us, uh, you know, on Twitter at Emerald City uh, HKY, Instagram, same place, you know, come at us. And then, of course, on the Discord as well. We usually get some good comments after each deep dive over on there. Um, and then that's going to do us for this, uh, this episode 100, RJ. <laughs> Yeah, episode the 100th episode, unspectacular. Yep. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. Um, yeah, middle of August, dog days of August. I assume we can't get Afra up here for the the dog days of August. She's sleeping. She's sleeping. When I when she saw me lean back, she peeked open one eye and then closed it. So probably not. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's the sign then. Yeah. No need to get her up here. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you again next week for another way too early. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey. 
especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Anonymous, Ben, Brad, Burnt Creme, Kaylin, Chris, Cody, Connor, Coop, Daryl, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Evan, Habak, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Jay, Jane, Jeremy, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Blight, Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michael, Michelle, Noah, Nori, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, C.A. Kraken, Sean B., Sean O., Sergey, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Hasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Wendy, Strife, and Zane. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support. 